0: In this podcast, I want to talk about the wisdom in hand-picking your friends. I hope that doesn't sound too awkward, or I hope it doesn't sound too elitist for you. Please give me a listen. I want to talk about—well, I want to take a look at how Jesus picked his friends and the motive, the method, his missional purposes in friend-picking— And also how he was not overcome by all the demands of the people. Perhaps you're one of those people where other individuals run your calendar. They set the pace of your life. If other events or other people are setting the pace of your life, then you really need to change that. And I want to talk about that in this podcast. The title of it, The Wisdom in Handpicking Your Friends. You can read The entire podcast on our website, go to rickthomas.net, and you can look for that title. And thank you for joining me for the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad to be here. I'm going to jump right into this, but I want to share just a quick comment that Kimberly made after she read the article titled, The Wisdom of Giving Your Friends Room to sin what she said was wow i cried most of the way through this article and i took that as being a good thing kimberly thank you for commenting thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for um, i thank god that you benefited that you're benefiting from our material and so thank you so much if it i'm glad that you cried I'm glad it was a good thing. I'm glad God is working in your heart, and and I'm glad that you are listening. Let's talk about the wisdom in hand-picking your friends. Wisdom would say we should not quickly dismiss how the Savior approached picking his friends. It might benefit us to give scrutiny here. To learn how friend-picking could help us personally, one, impact our community, two, and bring glory to God by advancing his kingdom. I want to share with you Matthew 4. You know this text. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, there are many things to consider regarding friend picking. There are at least two things that we should set forth as prerequisites and essentials as we approach this topic. The first one is your motive for picking friends. The second one is your mission. And so let me ask, what is your motive for picking your friends, for choosing your friends. And number two, what is your missional purpose for choosing your friends? One of the exciting things we see about the Savior's friendships is the intentionality about choosing them. Christ was not willy-nilly in friend-making, but he was purposely intentional about those that he chose we understand this because we know his motive and his mission we see both of these elements in his directive to peter and andrew the text that i just read when he said follow me and i will make you fishers of men he was motivated to surround himself with people who could accomplish his mission of kingdom advancement. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, "'Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning.'" And then here's the next sentence in this verse. I love it. "'The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil.'" Jesus was handpicking his friends because he wanted to surround himself with people who were interested in accomplishing his mission kingdom advancement in 1 John 3, which was to destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus was straightforward and non-apologetic about the kind of people he wanted to be his closest friends In fact, in Matthew 12, verses 48 through 50, is an interesting passage of Scripture talking about friendships. Jesus replied to the man and told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother jesus was quite intentional he was clear let me ask how about you how do you select your friends what is the purpose of your closest relationships look out to your closest relationships and ask yourself this question what is the purpose of these my closest relationships is there an eschatological vision regarding your friendships, eschatology, end times? I'm talking about missional, heaven, eternity. Is there a long, eternal perspective on how you select your friendships? Jesus had a heavenly purpose for himself and his closest friends. You remember Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. The sublunary terrestrial things, they will be added to you, and they get your second consideration, but seek first the kingdom of God. He built his relational network to have the best possible advantage for redeeming the most significant number of people, and he had 33 to find, to envision, to equip a group of friends who could carry out his redemptive worldview to multiple generations, meaning you and me. How many years do you have to find, to envision, to equip a group of friends to carry out Jesus's redemptive vision? Well, of course, you and I don't know the answer to that question, but maybe that's not the best question to ask. Let me ask you three other questions that would be much better since we can't answer the subjective one as far as how long you're going to live. Here are three questions, motive, mission, and method in that order. Let's take the motivation question. What is your redemptive motivation for friendships? Motive. Number two, the mission, missional question. What is your redemptive mission? For friendships. And then number three, the method question. What is your redemptive methodology for friendships? Now, I'm going to walk through all three of these ideas in the remainder of this podcast. Motive, mission, method regarding your friendships. The title of the podcast, The Wisdom in Handpicking, your friends, you can read it. I would encourage you to read it, to share it, to have a conversation about it, especially with your close network of friends. Let's talk about motive for friendships. Matthew 6, 621 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Proverbs four twenty three says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. If you connect these two verses, we know that out of our heart comes the springs of life, and then where our treasure is, there is our heart. So the first question deals with your heart. We're talking about motivation here. What you do, your behavior, flows from your heart, who you are. What and how you think about friends will determine the kinds of friends that you have, the ones that you will do life with in God's world. So your friends are the behavioral external part of your life, but the reason and the way that you make those friends is by how you think, how you are internally. And so it is true out of the heart. You keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Do you think redemptively about your friends? Christians live, in a, live an alien life, not an earthly life. Planet Earth is not their home. Christians center their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, and their work ethic around an eschatological truth regarding the future life. Sounds like Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out. Not knowing where he was going, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign foreign land. Christians labor for another person who is calling them to another place. The believer who thinks this way will work this way, and this will profoundly influence how he or she selects friends for the fulfillment of an eschatological vision. Even the one person Jesus picked to be his friend who later denied him was picked to fulfill his motive of redeeming others. We read about that in John 13, 18, where Jesus said, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Jesus knew who he was choosing. It is inspiring to see the Savior's motive driving the intentionality of how he selected his friends and built relationships. Now, with that said, no one would accuse him of being exclusive or elitist. You can't upload that into Jesus's... uh, lifestyle and how he thought about it picked his friends. He was a humble visionary with a singular purpose for changing lives. His interests were otherworldly, and his friend-selecting philosophy demonstrated this idea. How are the folks you spend the most time with replicating the Savior's mission? John six thirty-eight says this, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but The will of him who sent me. Let me go back to the question. How are the folks you spend the most time with replicating the Savior's mission? It is easy for us to slip into the, quote, cares of life, cares of this life, end quote, kind of thinking. Without the right friendships to help you sharpen your iron, you can quickly fall into the worldly traps that consume your time. Without loving assistance from like-minded friends, your motives become skewed to the point where your life runs you instead of you running your life. The issue is this issue that I'm talking about is just one of the many reasons you need to give careful attention to who you want to be your friends. Jesus would not submit himself to the control of other people's Uh, opinions or priorities or their problems, he chose to surround himself with people who had his vision and were capable of fulfilling it. That's why he said in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And it says that there were many people who chose not to follow him at that point. The kind of reciprocal relationships that I'm talking about, they helped him to stay focused on the main thing. Rather than being consumed by people, he created context in friendships who work toward the singular purpose of kingdom advancement. This is motive for friendships is what I'm addressing here. Now let's talk about mission for friendships in this three part podcast, Motive, Mission, and then Method. Here's Mission for Friendships Christians are not left on earth to build non redemptive earthly kingdoms. Their primary purpose is redemptive, which means all of us are missionaries. You know, sometimes folks talk about sending missionaries to a foreign country to redeem souls. Now, this idea is not bad. We want to do that. We want to pray about maybe God wants us to go to a foreign country to help cooperate with him in the redemption of souls. But you know what? It is imperative that you remember that the entire earth is a foreign country. There is no need to travel to be missional. Jesus did not go beyond the borders of his country, but was the most missionally minded person who ever lived. He built his missional outreach through his closest friends. Now, Paul echoed that in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. He said, "...and what you have heard from me..." in the presence of many witnesses, in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So in a very real and practical sense, your town is your foreign country. Your neighborhood is your foreign country. Your cul-de-sac is your foreign country. You are an alien, a missionary, Living in a foreign place, wherever you live, you're living in a foreign place, and you're called to bring redemptive hope to the foreigners within your sphere of influence. Now, if you were to analyze the Savior's calendar, you will see how he surrounded himself with like-minded friends. Now, it's important that you hear this, because that's not the end of the sentence, He surrounded himself with like-minded friends while not dissing those who were needier. This is not uh, an either-or situation here. I like to think about this by drawing a series of ever-increasing circles, small circle in the middle and then larger circles that surround that small circle. And if you do that and put your closest rela- or or put your relationships in each one of those circles, this is how it would look for Christ. Jesus and his father were in the center circle. No relationship was more important. And by the way, that should be the same for me and you. This epicenter was his primary relationship, and it's where he gave his best time. If people are encroaching upon your best time, meaning this epicenter between you and your relationship with God, you have a problem, and it needs to be rectified. The Lord is your best friend, and he is the one friend you need to select. I called the podcast The Wisdom of Handpicking Your Friends. Well, you need to select him above all others. Jesus would often hide away so he could spend time with his father. You hear this in Matthew 14. Listen to this. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. In the next most Significant circle in Jesus' calendar, you find Peter, James, and John. According to his calendar, the best we can discern from the four Gospels, he spent more time with them. There's only so much time in a day, and you have to choose who will receive your primary care. After the chief three disciples, there were the other nine whom he selected to follow him. These 12 people were his inner circle and his closest friends. They received his best care and most of his time. And so at the epicenter was Jesus and his father. Then there was Peter, James, and John. The third circle is uh, the other nine disciples. And then Jesus reserved the next circle for other friends that he loved and cared for, though they were not allowed primacy on his calendar. They included individuals like Nicodemus, Lazarus, Zacchaeus, Mary, Martha, people who followed in it, who flowed in and out of his life. He did not make it a habit of turning folks away, but he did guard his calendar. As I'd already mentioned to you earlier about what he said to his mother, Think about it, blood kin and his brother. There does not have to be a tension here if you have a plan for selecting friends. It is the people who do not have a plan for selecting friends or who believe in the mystical approach to life. God brought so-and-so to me. These people get in trouble. They're kind of willy-nilly, up and down, in and out. Though they never appear to do a lot, or I'm sorry, though they appear to do a lot, they accomplish little because of a lack of gospel intentionality, motive, thought, strategy, and purpose for friendships. Now in the next circle, as it pertains to his time allotment, were the multitudes. They were always seeking Christ for different things. Jesus loved these people and made sure they received his care. The Savior was not aloof. He was not disinterested in the masses, and so I'm not saying that at all. It can't be read into this or or heard into this podcast. But he was careful not to allow them to run his life. Sometimes he would bring immediate care to uh, the people, And then other times, he would separate himself from them to take care of those who were more willing and able to accomplish his redemptive purposes. Now, in the outer outer circle and the group he was most cautious with were the unregenerate individuals who opposed him. He gave them some of his time, but would quickly choose not to commit himself to him. So in all of these circles, Jesus was there. He participated with everybody, whether it was the epicenter with his father or the the farthest periphery, the outer ring with the unregenerate people. He gave them time. And so he was quite missional. He was not elitist or exclusive. And so I talked about motive for friendships, just finished here with uh, mission for friendships, And now I want to wrap up with methodology for friendships. Matthew 14, 13 through 33 is one of those places where you see a clear and methodical plan for his concentric friendships. You could divide this passage of Scripture into two parts. In Matthew 14, the first 10 or so verses... 13 through 21, that's probably eight or nine. I'm doing quick math on the fly. We see the Savior caring for the multitudes through his disciples. Jesus was not distant. He was not dismissive. He was involved. But the care the multitudes received came from the hands of the disciples rather than from Jesus. We're talking about where he fed the multitudes is what we're talking about. The passage begins, it says, when Jesus, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And he went ashore and saw the great crowd, and he was moved with compassion. And so he distanced himself from the crowds, but then when he saw the needs of the crowd, he was moved with compassion." In Matthew 14, the Savior dismissed the crowd so he could perform another kind of miracle. Just for his disciples, he walked on the water. That's what he did. That's that passage. That was an exclusive showing of a higher purpose than feeding the multitude He brought temporal care to the crowd by feeding them, but he revealed himself as the Christ to his inner circle. In both instances, he wanted to bring faith to the unbelieving heart. But the second miracle was the more important one as far as envisioning the ones who could do the most profound kingdom advancement. The second miracle was walking on water. And when they got back in the boat, when Peter and Christ got back in the boat, it says in verse 33 of chapter 14, truly you are the Son of God, and they worshiped him. Now, the beauty of this passage, Jesus did two things for two people groups. One thing he walked on water that was his exclusive showing of a higher purpose. And then in the second the second thing he did is he fed the multitudes and it is a beautiful passage because you see how the savior is maintaining and serving all of his friends while interacting with them differently and that's really the point. This strategy is an important point. You will have to make a decision who gets your best redemptive time, who you're going to walk on the water with and who you're going to feed. These types of decisions do not mean you have to be rude, it does, but it does mean you have to be wise. And if you are not wise, you will more than likely give the neediest people in your life access to your most valuable time. This approach to time management will severely reduce your effectiveness in advancing God's kingdom. The squeaky wheel may get the grease, but if you run your calendar and select your friends like this, you will never evolve beyond a grease monkey. When a person calls me for help, they fit into my schedule. I do not fit into their schedule. I do not feel compelled to jump every time the phone rings. Now, I used to react like this, and it nearly ruined my family because the problems of the needy became my problems, and and I became a mini-Messiah. Mercifully, God reminded me that there is a Messiah, and I'm not him. It is not possible for me to give every person who crosses my path my undivided attention. Even Jesus was not able to do this for all the people demanding a piece of him. But Jesus could give them his care. There is a difference between giving attention and giving care to someone. He did not give the 5,000 plus people individualized attention when they were hungry, but he did give them his care and he did this by asking the disciples to meet their needs. Don't miss that. He performed the miracle, and the disciples gave personalized attention to each one of them. They passed out the food. Though each person did not get FaceTime with Jesus, they were cared for by Jesus, which is what he does for you today. You don't get face time with him. He's not here. But you do receive his care. He's not here in human form. The things he taught his disciples had been passed down for centuries, and it's our job to develop our friendship so we can continue to export his care to more people. Paul had this kind of missional thinking, and he passed it along to one of his closest friends, Timothy. People who accomplish much redemptive work understand this concept, which is why They discriminate how they dole out their time to others. You can model the Savior's approach to friendships and time management, or you will live in firefighting mode, which will be giving your best redemptive moments to the multitudes who have limited desire and little capability of advancing God's message to the next generation. Now, I think it goes without saying, but just in case, let me address marriage and family as it relates to time management and redemptive purposes. Outside of himself a husband's best redemptive time is giving to his wife and to his children in that order. Paul gave us wisdom on this matter when he wrote to the Corinthians in seven thirty two through thirty five and to the Ephesians in five hundred twenty five and through six through four, uh, chapter six verse four. Your family is a community of Christ like disciple makers who are on a mission to advance God's kingdom. The wise husband and father understands this and spends his best time replicating the mission of Christ into his wife, and they do similarly for their children. Practically speaking, my wife and children are my inner circle outside of God and me. My mission in life is to equip them to live the alien life. My next circle of friends is in my small group of friends. I purposely spend most of my time helping them to mature in Christ so they can more efficiently and practically advance God's kingdom. The title of this podcast is The Wisdom in Handpicking Your Friends. Now, this can stir up a lot of questions. I hope it does. And if you would like to chat, talk about this, I would love to do that. I would find no greater pleasure than to interact with you on our forum. And it's why we have our forum. It's why I don't interact with any person on any other medium, because if they are serious and if the question is important to them, then they will come to our place and ask, and we will never turn you away by the grace of God because we want to serve you. And so if you have a question, please come to our forums and ask, and we will give you our time and we will give you our individualized care. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. God bless.